Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Today's episode is a recording of a sermon that I preached to Pastor Nate on September 19th at the 8.30 worship service. Uh, This sermon looks at a reading from Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 37. And there's a lot that happens in that one. Jesus talks about how the first need to be last. He rebukes the disciples for arguing about who's the greatest. Uh, And so hopefully I take this in an interesting direction as you listened to it, really challenging us to think about all the ways that we use our ego to prop ourselves up or to put something to the side. I really think that that's what the disciples were up to here. They weren't feeling confident. They were feeling a little uncomfortable. And so they immediately shift into this bickering game about who's the best. Anyways, I don't want to say too much more about it because I'm going to say a lot in just a second here. As always, thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks for sharing it with family and friends. We really hope that it can continue to be a source of connection to your faith during the week uh, and that there might be people elsewhere, even if they're not members of Bethany, who are looking for that daily connection to their faith. Please share the podcast with them. Let them know about it. We've got all sorts of great things planned for the fall coming up, so I'm excited for what is to come. But for today, we have a sermon from September 19th. I hope you enjoy. I love this gospel passage because it reminds me that I am so much like the disciples. The disciples are constantly making mistakes and not quite understanding what Jesus is up to, and that gives me great comfort. Let me begin by telling you a story. When I was a kid, my mom used to take me shopping with her. We had to go and run errands, and sometimes she would buy me things, and so that would be all right. But most of the time, she would take me on errands, and there was nothing in it for me. In particular, when she would take me to the department store. Do you remember department stores? We used to have those around. She would take me to the department store, and that's when I knew that things were about to get really boring. When we would go to those stores, my mother would always say the same thing to me. She would say, Nate, stay where I can see you. But here's the thing. When you're a kid, the last place you want to find yourself is in the women's fashion section at Sears. And so I would quickly have no idea what to do with my boredom. And so here's what I would do. Here's what I would do. I would climb into the clothing racks and hide. It was the perfect height for me. I could part the blouses aside and then part them back together and I would have my own little clothing rack fort to pass the time in. It was perfect. No one could see me. It was my secret hideout that kept the boredom at bay while my mom finished shopping. But eventually, what would happen is I'd hear, Nathaniel, Nathaniel, and that's how I knew she was serious because she only calls me Nathaniel when I was in trouble. And so then I'd have to climb out of my clothing rack fort, and the first thing she'd say to me is she'd say, didn't I tell you to stay where I can see you? This happened nearly every time we went to the department store. My mother would say, stay where I can see you, and instead I'd build a fort where it was impossible for me to be seen. As I think back on all this behavior, I can't help but laugh because there's really a universal human truth kind of buried within my actions there. You see, I wasn't listening to what my mother had said. I was just doing whatever I thought was best at that time, what I wanted to do. My actions were all about me, 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 me. 
Do you have a story like this yourself? Probably not even something from when you were a child either, but a moment in your life where you were told to do something, where you knew what was the best thing for you, and you ignored those instructions and those ideas, and instead just did whatever you felt like. Nine times out of ten, when we act like this, it's because we're uncomfortable or afraid. There's some sort of insecurity inside, some sort of fear that causes us to try and take control and force it to be our way. It's a defense mechanism. When we're afraid or uncomfortable or maybe just bored, we hide those emotions aside with our own ego. That's exactly what I did at Sears. I was bored. I didn't like how that felt, and so I ignored my mother's instructions and did what I wanted to do, and what I wanted to do was hide. In our gospel passage today, we see this type of behavior from the disciples. The passage begins with Jesus telling his followers a very difficult, uncomfortable truth. He tells them that he is going to go to Jerusalem and be betrayed and be killed and three days later rise. And the disciples had no idea what to do with all that. The text says that they were afraid to ask him about it. And so, in an effort for the disciples to deal with this insecurity, to deal with this uncomfortable truth that was presented to them, they start to argue about who's the best. They hide their fear behind their own ego. I wish I could have been there to listen to the disciples' conversation. It must have been hilarious. You you probably have James who comes along, and James says, listen, I'm the brother of Jesus, okay? I saw Jesus transfigured. I'm the greatest. And then you have Peter who's like, wait a second, James, wait a second. I was the first disciple to discover that Jesus was the Messiah. I'm the greatest. And then you have John who comes along, and John's like, I'm literally called the disciple whom Jesus loved. I think I've got this greatest thing all wrapped up. And then you probably have Judas over in the corner watching all this and just being like, can, can we change the subject? Can we talk about something else? But Jesus hears all of this foolish behavior taking place, and he turns everything on its head. He tells the disciples that if they really want to be the greatest, they need to care about those who are least. And then, then Jesus does something really shocking. He takes a child and puts it in their midst. And now we probably hear this story and we think, wow, Jesus is good with children and he can teach? Can he be a confirmation guide? But that's not at all the point. What Jesus was doing was actually a very scandalous action in those days. You see, in those days, children didn't really matter. They weren't allowed to be around adults at all. This is probably part of the reason why we don't have any Bible stories about Jesus as a child, except for that one of him in the temple. Because the gospel writers probably knew that no one would have cared about the story of a child. In first century Palestine, you didn't matter until you became an adult. And so for Jesus to bring a child into the midst of the disciples and to then tell the disciples that they needed to welcome children and in so doing they would welcome him, what Jesus is really doing here is he's saying to the disciples, stop hiding behind your ego. 
Stop trying to pretend like you've got it all figured out and put together. And instead, use all of that energy towards keeping an eye out for the people who are always forgotten. Stop focusing on yourself. Stop worrying about your own success story. If you're going to be my disciple, Jesus says, you need to be looking out for those who are considered the least. I think if Jesus was to use this metaphor again for us today, he probably wouldn't place a child in our midst. No, no. Jesus would probably bring that coworker. You know the one I'm talking about. The one who's super negative and overshares on social media and chews with their mouth open. Or maybe, maybe, maybe Jesus would bring an Oakland Raiders fan into our midst. Or a criminal, or a street corner beggar, or a single mother, or an immigrant, or a homeless person, or a drug addict. Jesus would bring that person into our midst and say, you need to welcome them, and when you do, you welcome me. In the disciples' day, and still in our day, we're so focused on power and achievement and success, but Jesus comes along and flips all those expectations upside down. If we're constantly worrying and arguing about who is best, if we spend all our energy chasing after power and achievement, if we try to bury our fears behind accomplishments, it will always harm us in the end. Jesus has a better way for us to live. And it's totally counterintuitive and hard to wrap our minds around, but it's a way of life where we don't have to hide. It's a way of life where we don't have to put other people down in order to make ourselves feel better. When we'd go to the department store, my mom would say, stay where I can see you. And Jesus says, whoever wants to be first must be last. So let's stop hiding behind our egos. <laughs> let's stop propping ourselves up with self-importance. Let's stop worrying about whose church is the biggest or whose landscaping is the best or whose social media post has the most likes. And instead, let's turn all of that energy towards looking out for those who no one else is looking out for. Because the good news is this. The disciples were arguing about who was the greatest, and Jesus was standing right there. Jesus is the greatest because Jesus never tries to boost up his own ego, and he never tires of welcoming us back when we are lost or lonely or afraid. Jesus is the servant of all. He loves everyone from the little child to the drug addict, from the egomaniac to the self-loathing screw-up. Jesus turns everything on its head and sets us free from the game that society is always pushing us to play. Jesus invites us to take all of that wasted energy that we spend worrying about who is the best, who's the most put together, and instead to use that towards caring for those who are least. Amen.